We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of The Pod is the Roof. I'm your host, Jacob Karabatsis, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Riley Davis. Now, Riley, the heels are 2-0. Oh. Um, yes, we are. I'm not sure how we feel about it yet. Uh, it's uh, It's been an interesting couple games, kind of playing with our food a little bit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, not like we like to see. But um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. So we're gonna we're gonna pay some some homage to if you listen to the mismatch with KOC and Chris Vern and they play that's true that might be true or that's not true at all. We're gonna play that's an issue that might be an issue or that's not an issue at all. And then we're gonna have our four corners and we're not gonna do an in depth preview against Riverside because you know UNC has a ninety six percent chance to win that game. So. Uh, if we're doing full previews against Riverside, I don't think it'd be a very long one anyways. But <laughs> Riley, how we doing, man? How was your weekend? Oh, it was great, man. It was great. Yeah, Friday night uh, was able to be courtside at Duke in Arizona alongside Jeff Goodman and Rob Doster. Watching a game with Jeff Goodman was everything that I expected it to be and more. Now, uh, my man was housing a box of Sour Patch Kids. It was great. We were Is disgusted. he biased towards his alma mater? That's what I want. No, know. he's not. I, I will give it to Goodman, like, very much is in reporter mode. Like, did not cheer for Arizona at all. Like, if, if I was in his shoes, I don't think I would have been able to hide – at least a little bit of excitement, but he, yeah, he just, you would have thought he had no connection to either school, but it was great hanging out with Goodman. Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and say he's an elite hang. Good to see Doster as well. Um, trying to think of any other funny anecdotes with those two. Brian Ralph was there with me too, a fellow heat check contributor. Um, yeah, just, just fun to see a, an excellent college basketball game. Fun to see Caleb Love go out on top and Cameron finish with a three and one record. And, uh, you know, afterwards, after the game, he and Kashad Johnson were outside the Arizona locker room talking to reporters. And Caleb gave some great answers about his feelings about UNC, said he's a Tar Heel for life, no matter what uh, any differences he might have had with anybody within the program. Um, Kashad Johnson, also a great interview. Just this Arizona team was really fun to watch. So great way to spend a Friday night. Um and Saturday, got to watch the Heels beat Duke in football, which I'm not going to act like it was 
a fun watch, but <laughs> I'm glad we got the win. <laughs> yeah, it's um we won't even talk about that. I'm just convinced at this point that uh you could quite literally bring a senior quarterback from a Charlotte 4A high school on the field against UNC and they would put up some numbers. Um th- <laughs> this man Duke's third string oh, freshman gosh. quarterback looked like an absolute like joke against Wake what? Forest. Now they won the game, but he looked like a joke against Wake Forest, who is an awful football team this year. And he comes out and looks like he's going to be a first round draft pick in, in two years when he plays against UNC. It's it's really frustrating that every single elite quarterback in the nation right now has an absolutely piss poor defense. Um, Shadur's defense, terrible. Drake May's defense, terrible. Caleb Williams' defense, terrible. But Michael yeah, Penix, Bo Nix. Nix has a decent defense. I mean, you can even go down the line. Like Spencer Rattler's having a great season. South Carolina can't stop anybody. So it's I actually like, had no idea Spencer Rattler was having a good season. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's weird. I mean, you kind of saw it. Like in that first game against UNC, he threw for like 360 yards. They right. Could not. Right. They could not get a stop. But yeah, it's tough, man. Um Yeah, it was frustrating. Again, I know it's not a Carolina football pod, but I you know, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap with the people who listen to this show <laughs> and where their football loyalties lie. It just frustrated me how like it took till the first overtime to finally play with some like aggressiveness in the the defensive play calling. Um where, where you know, we had a couple tackles for losses and finally broke up some passes and it just kind of felt like where was this in the second half you know like we should have won this game an hour ago and i should be in bed right now yeah but instead i'm up past midnight by myself getting mad (laughs) yeah so i think it's actually a fun tie-in the football and the basketball teams because i think a lot of their issues are the same in the sense that the defense obviously you're not changing personnel in a basketball game to play defensive play offense however the issue is that the offenses of both programs are so elite that the defense gets a weak mindset and is like, our offense can score whenever, like, we don't really have to play physical, you know. So it's tough. I mean, it sucks to watch. But I did want to ask before we move on, you know, you gave the anecdote about Arizona and Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just wondering how it felt to to get to, you know, be that close and that personal to um, the owner of Duke. How did that feel? You know, uh, it was pretty special. It was fun getting to like hear all the jeers that like the Cameron crazies were letting them have it. Uh, So I've probably been up five or six games in Cameron and like with the media pass there, you are courtside. I have a challenge to the Cameron crazies to step up their game a little bit. Uh, there was one kid, I don't have no idea if I'll hear this name, Michael, who was very nice to me, even when I told him I was a UNC grad. So shout out, Michael. You're my favorite Duke student out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were letting Caleb hear it. My my main challenge to the Cameron Crazies is like right after Duke lost, they it seemed like they were sad for like 30 seconds and then moved on from it very quickly. Like, where's the passion? Where's the uh, where's the investment? You know? Yeah. But but no, I was happy to see Caleb get a win, just um, especially hearing some of the the chants he had to endure all night. But it was also funny, like some of the people were asking him after the game, like some of the reporters were saying, was this worse than when you were at North Carolina? And he, without hesitation, he goes, No, not at all. Like oh, this, like the stuff I heard here was it was like it was no worse by any stretch than like what he heard when he was at UNC. So it was really funny just to hear his answers and he just had like a big smirk on his face. It's like, yeah. And he's like, I was just I was just waving bye to them. That's all I that's all I did. I was just waving bye to them. <laughs> so Yeah, it's uh 
I saw, I think it was Goodman posted a, a picture of, of their chant sheet and even my guy Duke better quoted it and was like, we, we got to step these up. We got to change mm-hmm. these. So yeah, yeah, I, I need to see it. Um, All right. So I, before we get into our, our concerns or issues, if you will, um, I'll let you go first, but I did want you before you give your first issue to explain in the latest, in the latest heat check poll, you do not have UNC in the top 25, which I do understand in a way, but then it's like, you know, Villanova loses to Penn, Miami escapes Florida International. So it's like there's a lot, there's a couple teams you had in there that, that have have uh clinched or taken victories from the jaws of defeat, if you will, whereas at least yeah. UNC has won comfortably. Right. Yeah. And I think barring a collapse at Riverside, um, I'll rank UNC next week. I think both I have St. Mary's. We ran, I ranked them before they lost to Weber state ranked Villanova before they lost to Penn. Both of those two will be out, especially Nova. Like I had Nova 25th anyway. And that, yeah. the yeah, they have some good pieces. I just don't know how well they fit with Carolina. My stance going into the season was I see them somewhere in like the 25 to 35 range. I like a lot of the pieces. I think they're set at the one and the five between RJ and Armando, but I, I need to see, I need to see them prove it a little bit. I need to see a little, uh, some, some consistency and even going into the, the Radford game and the Lehigh game to a, an extent, um, you know, the Radford game, my mentality was like, hey, I'm kind of expecting Radford to make a run here and there to keep it a little bit close just because, like we talked about last week, Radford has some legit guards and they're well coached and they have some legitimate size in the front court too. And I, I was thinking like if UNC jumps out to a 15, 20 point lead in the first half, I'm going to feel so great about this. Didn't happen, still uncomfortably, still felt relatively good, low concern after the Radford win. But I really wanted to see them jump on Lehigh from the start and again, go up 20 points in the first half or something. They got close to that. They went up 15 at one point in the first half and largely kept them at bay. It was just a couple of defensive lapses um, and they let it get the offense stagnated a little bit in the second half to where, again, winning by 22 points is nothing to to turn your nose up to. You know, that is that's a good win. Uh, Lehigh is not a great team by any stretch. They play in the Patriot League, which is sort of dominated by Colgate, uh, but they are. I know they're expected to be like a top three team in their league, so they're not like the worst team in the country, but I, I, I would have liked to see a. I would have liked to see them extend the lead to 20 points in the first half and not really be pushed in the second like they were for the first few minutes. That would have fully convinced me. But at the same time, you, like you said, Jacob, you look around the country, there's a lot of teams being tested by mid-majors right now. Like Arkansas got pushed by Gardner-Webb, and then they got challenged well into the game against Old Dominion. And Gar- Gardner-Webb gave Baylor fits as well. Like A lot of teams, especially in the portal era, are still – figuring out especially defensively I think and I would say UNC is in in that same type of like that stage of identity development so yeah I think they're a top 25 team I'm convinced like I I definitely would take Carolina over a few teams I was just sort of being stubborn and to a lesser extent not wanting to get my hopes up in case they flopped again (laughs) but yeah (laughs) I mean I get it I understand the PTSD and wanting to see it and honestly like I'm not mad about it because there is a world in which, you know, they're going to be three and oh, but like, we'll, we'll find out how good they are during Atlantis. That's when we'll see how good they really are, because Mm -hmm. that could be a brutal wake up call, or it could be like, Oh, they're actually like a top 
15 teams. So, I mean, right. it's it's going to go it's going to go one of two ways. And I feel like it's going to be an extreme either way. It's going to be like an extreme <laughs> overreaction of like, they might not be good, or it's going to be a overreaction of, Oh my God, this team could win the ACC. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, but I do, yeah. I, I do. I, I think they're, I think if they, Go three and zero, and then win their first two games in Atlantis. They probably, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be happy. They stay in a, they stay in the top twenty five, and then they get a really, really good Tennessee team yeah. after that. So that's going to be an absolute backbreaker. If we win Atlantis, I'm going to be insufferable on this pod. Well, I guess not for UNC fans. We'll all feel the same, but I'm going to be insufferable oh, yeah. on Twitter chirping about how we're back. Um, but yeah, I do think there was a lot, even with like. I don't want to say even frustrations feels a little extreme um, with these first two games. Cause I, I do think generally like they're feeling out rotations and they're getting on the same page defensively. And once that happens, it's going to look a lot more cohesive from start to finish. Um, so even amid some like minor frustrations, I, I think there's been a lot to feel encouraged about in these first two games. And I can, I mean, I can share some about Lehigh, what I saw that I really liked. Uh, if you want me to start or we can kind of bounce off each other with that. But um, the first is that like RJ Davis is good enough to win you a game by himself. Uh, I thought what was really noticeable, um, I'm sure the coaching staff realizes this too, you know, second half offense stagnated a little bit. Uh, Lehigh was able to cut a double digit lead to three and, it seemed like Carolina just immediately was like, all right, it's time to go pick and roll with RJ and Armando and our RJ just started cooking. And I think I'm curious to see what, what that type of, what sort of template that sets going forward. Cause I know UNC like Hubert has talked about bringing the secondary break back and we're seeing Carolina run those like secondary type sets a lot more after they push the pace. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the best version of this team it includes a lot of pick and roll with RJ. It includes a lot of pick and roll with Elliot. And it, in my opinion, like the way that they were dropping against, it was like every time they ran a high ball screen with RJ, he got to his mid range shot, which has just been money. Um, I think he hit three threes as well. And a couple off the bounce, like he's, he can take this team far. Um, so yeah, that was one of the main things that I saw that I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. RJ is, RJ is thriving in this like sort of alpha role in the backcourt. Yeah, I mean, they both had 22. They both shot 8 of 14 from the field. Like, it's – they are – I mean, it goes without saying, I think they're one of the best duos in college basketball. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've been there for a long time. They're both talented. And, you know, the biggest thing that stands out to me when I watch this team play compared to last last year's team is Armando has unlimited space. Teams are actually having to send true doubles – now like last year you could leave like you could leave certain guys you could leave leaky most of the time felt like you could leave nance so Mm -hmm. it was like you know it was easier to double um armando really like he's getting one-on-ones in the post now and if he's not they're having to double off with like cormac's guy or ingram's guy and you're leaving someone who can knock down a shot open and it's boding really well for uh, for Armando's game, and I have a take on that, but we'll save that for later because uh, it's pretty spicy. But I do want to get into 
that's an issue. That's not an issue, or that might be an issue. And the first one, you might not like it. You might like it. Paxton Wojcik. All right. He, um, I haven't been impressed. I'm going to be honest. He was passing up shots in the first game. And then I think we saw like in Sunday's game when he's not hitting shots, he really can't be on the court. I mean, he played less minutes than Trimble, Withers, and Cadeau. I don't think that's a coincidence. And he played the same amount of minutes as Aiden High. They made a lot of their runs with Paxson off the floor. So, you know, Paxson being in the rotation, do you think, you know, not not him being in the rotation, but Paxson Wojcik not ending up being a key guy. Do you think that's an issue? That's not an issue or that might be an issue? You know, I'd say that's not an issue um, just because like he can give you five to 12 minutes. You know, I saw he, I know he played 12 minutes this game that might go down to yeah the five to 10 range. Um, I know we talked about it last week, but I'd love to see him take some more of those open shots. Uh, Hubert himself said he has the green light and there was, I think one play in transition where Cadeau got him the ball uh, for a, what would have been a transition three and he kind of pump faked and passed it. And it's, it's, and I think Withers might have even had one too, where a very similar type of play where he passed it back to Cadeau. Um, and I like I don't know, both those guys were brought in because of their ability to shoot. And especially against a team like Lehigh that you have a talent advantage over, you have a size and athleticism advantage over, you can make up for like even if you miss the three, there's a decent chance we're getting the offensive rebound. Um, so yeah, maybe those guys are still sort of feeling feel filling out their roles as newcomers and aren't wanting to take a bad shot or something that could be deemed a bad shot and get pulled, especially if they're trying to keep steady minutes off the bench. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say it's an issue mainly. I mean, this would even tie into another positive I have based on how good Seth Trimble looked on Sunday. He looked really good. Like he looked yes, more he than did. capable of a 15 to 20 minute role. And I hope like, I want to see him get 20 minutes a game. Maybe that's a little, you got to be creative with some of the lineups you put around him. Like, I think you got to have preferably both RJ and Cormac on the, on the floor with him because of his, because teams can sag off him. Cause he's not a proven shooter yet. Um, but yeah, his, his defense is like just game changing and both games. He's again, with the caveat that's against mid-major competition, but he's had two really nice blocks where it seemed like he's, Kind of seemed like a defender got him, or excuse me, that he that his man got him on his hip, but it was like, no, sorry, I'm faster, bigger, and I can jump higher, and I'm gonna swat this as soon as the ball gets up. Oh yeah, and I think he has to be in the rotation, especially when you get into these to these brutal games and you get past the competition. Because I'm looking at, I'm not even gonna go into non-com, but if you just look at at conference play, he is the guy who's gonna have to guard Reese Beekman. He's the guy who's gonna have to guard Proctor or McCain. He's the guy who's gonna have to guard Cleveland or Wooga Poplar. He's the guy that's gonna have to guard Judah Mintz. Like there's no one else that can step up to the task on the perimeter like he can. Like he I think in conference play, he's gonna be one of like the X Factor guys. So seeing him play well was really, really a great sight to see. Um what you know, what's your what's your big what's your uh your issue question. I, I know we have a lot of positives, but I also know you definitely have some issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say uh, UNC's inability to get around screens, <laughs> whether well, off ball, yeah, primarily of the off ball variety. Yeah, um, I'm starting to wonder if like it's e- 
it's it's one of two things. This is either a schematic thing where like that I hate and that needs to change, or it is them just not communicating on the defensive side of the ball at all. Like they won the game and only gave up 68 points, but Lehigh shot 39% from three. And that's because on off ball screens, there's so much confusion. Like you watch a team like I watched Arizona, what they did against Duke. The communication was on point. Like they switched. If Ryan Young was on the floor, they knew they were going to sag off and play ball denial and let the center kind of sit at right mm-hmm. inside of the free throw line. UNC's defensive cohesion just doesn't seem to be there. It's like if you're going to go way under ball screens – then you either have to have the the guy who's there hedge or you have to switch. Like, you have to commit. And at this point, if they are going to be slow on rotations and if they are going to struggle with communication, I would soon rather them just switch everything. And at the end of the day, if it ends up with RJ being on a big or Armando being on a guard, I would rather see them give up twos then continue to give up wide open threes. So I would say that is a big issue that I had watching them. Maybe this is a little too optimistic, but I'm just going to say that might be an issue. Um, Cause I think the way we've defended ball screens, it's been, you know, there's been, there have been some hard hedging and there's been a lot of switching and I, they went under a couple times, but I, I didn't see a ton of going under. I like, I kind of wonder if some of the, well, yeah, I definitely think the screen navigation might be an issue. And right now it probably is an issue um, with the miscommunications. And it's like even, you know, not to single guys out, but Cormac, like he struggled getting around some screens and he's the veteran, you know, he's supposed to be like the, one of the steadying presences there. Um, you know, it seemed like he there, and that, in that case, it just has to be miscommunication. Like Cormac has the, he has the length, he has the athleticism to get around a screen to where I think that just needs to be like more in sync with the guys on the court. Um, but I wonder if part of it is, was the scheme against Lehigh, like Lehigh shot seven for 29 from three against Cornell. And then they shot three for 13 from three against Penn state um, to where maybe the plan was to try to take away the rim. Cause they shot, they shot four for 17 on layups. We yeah. did a good job protecting the basket. Um, and even like, you know, forced a decent amount of mid range shots. Um, I, I guess if any, if I was going to continue to, to, have any gripe, it would be, I, I'd still want to see a little more intensity on the defensive end. And I hate, like, I hate, blaming it on that. Cause I don't want to question any player's effort. You know, I think they all love the game. And sometimes I feel like it's easy for us as media to be like, Oh, they need to play harder, especially when it's some, it's, it can be tough, especially from an outside perspective to discern what is like effort or intensity based versus what is like a schematic issue or just certain limitations guys might have athletically or like physical uh, as far as like their physical profile is. So yeah, I, I don't want to say that, but at the same time, like just watching Purdue and Xavier last night, Braden, Braden Smith, he had one closeout uh, where he was sprinting into the corner from the paint uh, to close out on a, on a guy in the corner. And he just, it was like an all out sprint and he leapt into the air and altered the shot. And like, this is Braden Smith. Who's not a plus athlete. Like he's six, one, maybe six, two tops. Like, and to see that type of effort, I was like, Oh, I would like to see our closeouts be a, a little more like that, where it seems like sometimes UNC so far has been just a touch late 
whether it's getting a hand up or, or something like that to any of the closeouts. Yeah. It's like, I think that the issue for me really, like it's not necessarily how they play the screens. Like you're going to play them, how you're going to play them and, and how they're schemed, but it's just the communication. Like it, you can just tell right. there's a complete lapse in communication sometimes. Like, I, I just, you know, that that's the thing for me. It's like they've honestly done a good job protecting the rim this year. Like even mm-hmm. in the Radford game, Radford shot well in the two-point range, but it was mostly middies. Like yeah. they're not really getting abused inside, and I think that's because right. they do have four bigs that can play in the rotation and defend the rim. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not necessarily worried about that, but that's my thing, man, just like, Get the communication up. I don't know if it's the fact that, like, you know, Armando and RJ are the leaders. Those are the guys that I want to see, like, maximum communication from. Like, not just on the offensive end. Like, you know, Mondo's the center. That's the easiest position to kind of navigate and communicate mm-hmm. where guys need to be. So that's that's really kind of the next step that I want to see. This kind of ties into what you said, though. It's my, my last issue, of course, on the defensive end. Um, we have seen guards at the mid-major level in the first two games play very, very well against UNC. I mean, Higgins, he had a good game, 16-3-3, 7-13 from the field. We saw it in the first game with Radford. Do you think opposing guard play is going to be an issue? It might be an issue, or it isn't an issue at all? I'll go that might be an issue again. Um you know, I think I've said this on here before uh, that RJ gets a little bit of an un- unfair, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An unfair reputation when it comes to his defense. He's someone who does play with a lot of intensity on that end. And I, I think he can be opportunistic with getting steals and he's going to battle. He's just like six feet tall, you know, and <laughs> doesn't really, probably doesn't have like a, a plus wingspan. And, um, but it seems like he's in the right position a lot of times and he'll get a hand up. It's not like he's not, it's not like he's mailing it in and he's for the most part, not like getting caught on the off ball screens. Um, but yeah, just until as again, as Cadeau gets more and more comfortable that, that probably will be an issue until, I mean, maybe all season, but maybe until the, once we get into the heart of conference play and, everybody's a little more adjusted to their role and everything. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code field 1500 when you sign up and remember bet mgm is now available under one wallet in select states as a new jersey resident this is super convenient for me when i have to go cover games in new york or philly when cross the state borders just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to and most importantly i gotta let you know we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Yeah, I think I think they can figure it out. I mean, I'll be honest. like I, I haven't even had like a qualm with RJ. Like I think he's been really good through the first yeah. two games on both ends. I think where I'm having the issue is like people – People are basically hunting the Paxson mismatch when he's in the lineup, and he tries. Um, you know, Cormac's a way better defender than Paxson is, though, and that's just kind of – that's where I think starting Paxson is going to be tough, and I do th- – I genuinely do think once it gets down to the nitty-gritty, you're going to start Cadeau in some games, and then there's going to be some games where they start Trimble because of matchup and they mm-hmm. want to play better defense. Um it hasn't even been RJ for me. It's just been, you know, Paxson's really the only mismatch they hunt. Other than that, I think it all ties back to the communication. Like guards yeah. are getting good looks because guys are getting lost on picks. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's just there's just nothing there. And I, I think it's also a little bit of PTSD because let's just be honest, like the last God, this we could probably trace this back for a while, but the last we'll just say four years to be generous like anytime there's a guard who is a shot creator they kill unc historically and i don't know like i'm not asking you to 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 shut somebody down like i know leaky black's not walking out walking out that locker room door trust me i know that but i'm just asking to make their life hard like you know the the first test we're probably going to get is Assuming we can win the first game in Atlantis, we're going to play Villanova. Like, most likely. I would assume they'll beat Texas Tech, but they might not. They just lost to Penn. Um, if I they do, think, though, I, think, I kind of think Tech gets that one done. If, we'll if see, they, 
if they do play Villanova, it's like I expect Justin Moore to like play well, but like I don't want to see Justin Moore get 10, 10 easy shots. That that's the biggest thing. Like just mm-hmm. just make the opposing guards work for it. Do you have any any last issue or anything before you surprise me with your four corners? Uh yeah, let's talk three point shooting a little bit, just because it was it was fine. Radford looked great in the first half against Radford, tailed off in the second. Uh, in this past one, I think the final percentage was like four for 15 or something or five for 16 or five for 17, but that included a banked in shot from Rob Landry walk on. Um, (laughs) Also, I got to say with, I kind of think sometimes our, the, the shot creating guard is a little bit overblown with killing UNC and losses. Yeah. But we, but Carolina's won a lot of games over the years. Maybe. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's just like, it does feel like like the, all losses are like any sort of upset loss or a loss to an inferior opponent usually follows the same template. Exactly. It's like the same formula. <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> like make someone change up the blend. It's like, you know, they stole the Krabby Patty formula. They've got it. And mm-hmm. that's how you beat UNC. It's like, man, make them do something else. Right. And I guess it happened again. I'd, you know, I love Roy. I'm not critiquing Roy, but I I'll, I kind of think back to the 2016 game against Kentucky when Malik Monk had 47. <laughs> or even last year when uh, Caleb Grill dropped like 30 plus and uh, where was that? The PK, PK 85, where, you know, against Monk, it was like going under screens or helping off of him. And even <laughs> that game with Caleb Grill, I think some of our guys got caught on caught on off ball screens or helped off the corner and grill saw his first like three or four shots go in and just like, all right, it's on, you know, that, that is a formula that has plagued UNC before. I'll acknowledge that, but yeah, it's, it's annoying, man. Like, Oh, don't, don't even, don't even get me started. It's just, you know, <laughs> let me yeah, see let's, something different. Let's, let's talk the shooting though. If that's, you think that's a concern might be a concern or it's not a concern. Um, I'm going to say it might be a concern. Um, obviously, Cadeau hasn't really hit his stride yet in terms of shooting. Um, I think mm-hmm. he will. Um, he's. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that takes, you know, 18 shots a game. But, right. like, I think he'll hit his stride because he's getting good looks. He's not, like, taking a lot of bad shots. Um, obviously, you know, Paxson, he's been a little bit afraid to shoot. Cormac didn't shoot well against Lehigh. So it's like no one really shot well besides RJ and Armando. Um, I will say it might be an issue, but the reason I'm leaning towards like we look back at this two months from now and it's not one is because they're they're generating good looks. Right. They're just not always going in. Like, you know, I'm fine with Ingram being one of three. Like if Ingram can shoot mid 30s like I'll, I'll be happy like i don't expect him to shoot 45 percent from three um i think it ultimately comes down to like cormac's getting good looks he's gonna i'm telling you he's gonna go on like an eight game stretch at some point in this season where he, with the looks he's getting he's probably gonna go on like an eight game stretch where he shoots 55 percent. like mm-hmm. that's gonna happen rj remains consistent i mean he shot 37 percent last year that might go up like it might because he's mm-hmm. getting better shots right. um i mean shoot even a guy like Jalen withers like 
he's getting good looks. Like I trust he hasn't him to taken pro- a three yet. Like no that's what I'm saying. He's been get, he's been so patient. Like mm-hmm. he's getting good looks inside. He's he's taken a few jump shots. Obviously, hasn't taken a three yet. But like I trust him to come in when we get down to the to the bulk of the schedule, and you know probably get it one to two open looks from the corner mm-hmm. of the wing and he's probably going to hit one of them. So it's like, yeah. I, I, I'm not too worried about the three point shooting, but at the same time, I do think this is going to be a thing where when this team loses, I think we're going to look at, look at the game and look at the box score and see a really bad three point percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, again, like we've talked about how the defensive ceiling you know, even though we think some of it will be fixed with communication, hopefully over the course of the season, uh, defensive ceiling is a bit capped to where any big time game against a good opponent, UNC is probably going to need a hit at least seven threes. If I had to guess, you probably want to be closer to eight, nine or 10. Um, yeah, I, I, there's part of me that feels like it might be an issue. Uh, I, again, I think Cormac's going to hit his shots. Art is going to hit his shots. Hopefully Cadeau can get there. Um, yeah, it looks like there's a slight hitch in this jumper. Like, I don't know if I really – I don't know if that's, like, overthinking it because I, I don't really remember seeing that in any of his high school games or anything. I'm confident he can become a competent shooter. But, you know, there's a little bit of fear that Ingram can regress back to, like, the low 30s or something or that Wojcik never – you know, maybe defense – he can't stay on the floor or he never gets confident in his role or that Withers has the regression. The only – a lot of guys I feel confident in, in but – some of it too, I just, it might be an issue because I think you need, you want guys like both Zayden High and Seth Trimble on the floor. Um, and I think to maximize them, you got to have some shooters around them. But like, if you, if you put Seth on the floor again, you just get it. The spacing could be an issue until Cadeau proves himself. If you play him with RJ and Cadeau or something, um, or even if you play a, a tr- I think, Carolina ran like a Trimble, Cadeau, and Ingram lineup out there. Maybe it was Withers and Washington in the front court. Um, where again, Withers has a year where he shot well. And Washington theoretically can make threes, but it's just, I feel like so few of those guys are unproven from beyond the yard that you can still just sort of pack the paint and take, take Carolina out of its offensive rhythm. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Yeah, I think... I think, you know, like I said, when they lose, they're probably going to shoot bad. But I also think the illusion of shooting will help them a lot. Like, they don't have a lot of guys that you feel comfortable with leaving open 
even if they're not hitting their shots that night. No one is ever going to say, we'll leave Cormac wide open. We'll leave right. Ingram wide open. We'll leave Jalen Withers wide open. No one's ever going to do that. So it's like the illusion of shooting will prevent anyone from, I think, fully ever packing the paint against UNC, which right. helps a lot because there was times last year where we ran lineups where people would pack the paint and it wasn't fun. So, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I, I think I think the having guys who can shoot um is is what's making Armando's life so easy because at least if you are struggling and you miss two looks back to back trips you can get it to Armando in a one-on-one opportunity and that's what I wanted to say before we get into our last stuff Armando's got a got an in-boy campaign cooking man I, like look you got to have a high usage rate and you got to do some stuff to to match Edie because he's everything to Purdue basically, mm-hmm. but through two games, statistically he's there. Like, he's balling. I mean, so, so what, what, like if you were going scale of one to 10 chances that he finishes in the top three at the end of the year of, of the, of the employee race, what's the number? Oh man, like how confident am I on a scale of one to ten? How confident are you on a scale like of a one six? To which is not what I was expecting a month ago. Like I would have yeah. probably said like a three a month ago. No shade toward Armando, but it's just hard to win as a big man. It's like maybe it's not that hard because Oscar Shibway and Zach Eady both are like our last two national players of the year. Um, but yeah, sometimes I feel like with with Shibway, people get tired of like rebounding stats like it's like oh cool you got 20 rebounds uh that's not flashy to where that would probably work that's like armando's biggest gift probably um but after how he's looked through two games i mean he's currently third in kim palm's player of the year rankings right now uh and but like honestly part of why i'd say i'm up to like a six or a seven he's 11 for 12 from the free throw line yeah he's a 91 percent shooter Hey, get this. He's okay. So he's shooting 62% from the field. He's 0 for 1 from 3 right now. But if he can just go 1 for 2 on the year or 2 for 5 on the year from 3 and have a, if he has a 60 40, 60 40 90 season. Listen, if he's going to shoot, if he's going to shoot anything above 80% from the free throw line, if he leads the nation in rebounding, which it's looking like he might, to be honest with you, granted it's against smaller mid-major teams, but still we've already seen him do this against right. big time competition. And if he can average like right now, he's averaging 23 and a half and 16 and a half on insane percentages. Like I think it really just comes down to UNC's team success. Mm-hmm. If he's averaging 23 and 15 at the end of the year on 60, 40, 85 splits. I love that we're just throwing 40% three points. Yeah, like 40. I mean, because he's not going to take five, a lot. That's all we need. All we need and is three. He's not going to take a lot, but <laughs> hit your two threes and call it a day. <laughs> exactly. And Don't attempt you know, another one. If he, if he does that, it's ultimately going to come down to like, all right, let's say Edie's averaging 22 and 14 on crazy efficiency, but Purdue is like, the number one team in the nation and UNC's like 14th, they're going to give it to Edie. Yeah. Right. That's where he's at a disadvantage because I don't know if UNC is a good enough team to boost it, but I'd say I'm at like a six just because the dudes, 
I would say he's a lock unless he gets injured to be a first team All American. I'll go that far. Like it feels like it feels really likely so far. Yes. It feels like him, Edie, and Filipowski are all yeah going to be first team all yeah yeah that does feel very close to a lock yeah so i mean i just had to say that before before we get on um yeah quickly before you move into your surprise four corners do you have any thoughts or predictions that you want to throw out against uc riverside we can give score predictions just to see which one of us is more right at the end of the week I think it's the elliot cadeau breakout game i bet we see like 17 points six assists and hopefully at least one made three. And I think Carolina wins by 25. So I'll say they win 92 to whatever, 92 minus 25 is. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the UNC education. 67 <laughs> if you weren't aware. But, Thank you. Um, Not a math guy at all. <laughs> but um, So I'm going to – I think Cadeau will play well. I think this is – I think we get another 20-20 from Baycott. Hmm. And – if he plays enough minutes, Jesus. And then um, I think this is the game we finally see what you and I have been wanting to see, foot on the gas. I think they come out and blow the doors off UC Riverside. Um, I'm going to say that they come a few points shy of the Biscuits and they win 97 to 70. That's my, mm, I like that. that's my final score prediction. So... I, I'm I'm hyped for this four corners though. I'm hyped. For this yeah, four yeah. Let's get into four corners. Uh, if there's any sponsors out there who want to sponsor this segment, please hit us up. So four <laughs> corners. It's a, our favorite segment where we talk about really four factoids, four shoutouts, four anything uh, can cover a range of topics today. I want to hear Jacob. Well, people listening might not know this, but you consider yourself a bit of a film aficionado. Uh, oh, you're yes. in cinema. Let me get your four, your top four movies in 2023. Oh so God! Fun. See, all right. This is a tough one. I'm giving also, you two minutes. You can't. You can't just deliberate if, it. You got to. If go you're a fel- if you're a fellow cinephile, as they call it, hit me up on Letterboxd. Jay Carabatsis. I'll be leaving them reviews. Um, number one, Easy Peasy Lemon Squeezy Oppenheimer. Um, absolutely classic. It's just. I mean, it's it's Christopher Nolan's magnum opus. It's nuts. And yeah, he's my favorite director of all time. Number two, my second favorite director of all time, Killers of the Flower Moon by Scorsese. Oppenheimer edges it out because there were some points in Killers of the Flower Moon that were a bit drawn out, but all in all, it was an incredible story. Yes, it's very long, it's lengthy, but the it's emotion packed. They actually filmed it on site of the Osage tribe, so nuts. Number three, I literally just watched a few days ago, and that is from one of my top like eight favorite directors, David Fincher. He just released The Killer on Netflix. Very, very elite cinema. The it's kind of awesome. I'm ready to watch that. Oh, it's so that. good. And it's got like that self-narration vibe where every time he goes after a victim, he says like the same thing to himself. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to spoil anything. What I will say, though, is um, good luck on the Wordle. You'll get it when you watch the movie. But um. Number four, this one took me by surprise. I I did not, um, you know, the, God, this one's a tie. I don't know how I'm going to deliberate this, but oh god, um, it's between. You know what? I'm just going to say it. This one, I, I got to give it to. I got to give it to Into the Spider Verse, man. Like 
That is one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. It was absolutely incredible. Um, it could be higher than fourth, honestly, but I just don't even put animated films and real films on the same playing field. But they take their time, man. Those animations are absolutely insane. insane. Um, I can't wait for the next installment and yeah that though the transitions between dimensions the the score i mean it's it's no it's and then the honorable mention on the outside looking in is the one that took me by surprise and that would be the creator it was an absolute really master class visual wow. master class if you i will. had no desire to see the creator but i'll add it to the list first off denzel washington is my guy and his son is the main actor so he ate he was very very good the story um, w- was honestly a lot better than I expected. There was an emotional aspect that I did not really expect going into the theater. And the thing that really put it over the top, though, like the score was all right, but the visuals were were nuts. It, it was very, very visually appealing. So, yeah. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see if Napoleon can crack the top four. But uh, of the hey. ones you listed, Cross the Spider-Verse, the only one I've seen. I love the Spider-Verse series. The first one is like one of my favorite movies ever. I thought the second one was really good too. Uh, I still need to see Oppenheimer. And <sighs> I've heard such good things about it. Uh, yeah, the, all the other movies, I mean, where would Barbie rank on it? Barbie's top like eight. But that's okay. just because, dude, I watch like, I think I've already seen like 33 movies this year. So it's like so hard to deliberate. Like, I mean, Air was incredible. I don't know if you saw Air. I liked Air. Yeah, I liked Air. Um, there's just like The Covenant was a pretty good film. There's been a lot of sleepers too. Like I'm not gonna lie, this might sound so childish. That Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was a banger. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It, it, and I, listen, I've got the Napoleon seats reserved, man. Next Saturday, 3 p.m. It's gonna be it's gonna be a time. I'm excited. I, I love Ridley yeah. Scott. And I love Joaquin Phoenix, so. And I love that they're not even attempting any French accents or anything. (laughs) (laughs) They're just just like, yeah. And then, you know, God, it's going to be interesting, man. It's like the the year of the biopic, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Good point. All right, well, let's close it down, man. We will, uh, we'll see y'all early next week. Probably with a guest. I'm going to tease that. It's a guest that most UNC fans will be excited to hear. And, uh. Yeah, we'll be breaking down Atlantis and previewing that, giving some bold predictions. So stay tuned with the pod as the roof. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. We're out.